everyone, and welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about goodbye dinners, goodbye Yellow Brick Road, and Abby, what kind of man do you want to be? What kind of man? Uh, Killian, it's not too late. Uh, I'm a terrible dad. Oh, I'm Beth Elderkin, and joined as always by the lovely Abby. Abby, how are you doing with all of this manly talk, man, deep man talk? Deep, deep man talk and 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 daddy issues to the to the max level mm-hmm. here. Uh, this it was weird. It was a weird surface level toxic masculine, not even toxic masculinity, just like a weird antiquated. I feel like I. I understood what they were trying to do, but it was such a... Again, it's once upon a time. I can't dunk too hard, but what a convenient story to just pop out. Like, be the be a different man. I will, daddy. I will die with a, a sword in my gut. Yay. Ugh. Yeah, this... this. Well, I'm just... I have opinions, and we're going to... We'll, we'll, we'll get there. Because we're talking about season five, episode 11, Swan Song. The finale of the first half of season five. So we have come full circle in in the return to, my brain is fried, guys. I had like four hours sleep last night because my toddler was up all night. So baby dragon, blame him. But Abby, it's not just the mid-season finale of Once Upon a Time season five. Oh, no. It's also a very special day for us. <laughs> because through the magic of looking through our archives, a few of which are unfortunately unavailable and I'm not able to get access to them. This is our 200th episode of Once Upon a Timing. (laughs) (laughs) It's not going to say that on the actual podcast, but again, because the first half of the first season accidentally got deleted and I have not been able to recover it. But trust me, we are now at 200 episodes. So congratulations, Abby. I listen, I love this for us. We have, we've done 200 episodes. Uh, we somehow missed, I don't know if we were, we noted our 100th episode, but I'm pretty sure we did not do a musical number. Um, and we, I don't think we did enough planning to do a musical number for this one. So 300 guys, it will be an all musical extravaganza. Uh, but I do love that we have lost episodes. Mm-hmm. Like we have just there are t- there are episodes that are in the ether that a select few have heard. And congratulations, they exist solely in your brain. Um, I I'm so excited. I can't believe this. I was like, I told you this before the podcast, but my son has finally gained enough understanding of the world to finally gather what a podcast is. So I was explaining it to him, and then he made me listen to some of it. Uh, I, I, which I hated. I. We talked about this. I can't. I can't stand the sound of my voice. Uh, but he was like so pumped for us. He was like, "You guys do a podcast. That's so great. That's so wonderful." So, I I'm I'm excited that when we started this podcast, he's so proud of his mom. When we started this podcast, I did not have a a baby dragon, and now I have a baby dragon that's so proud of me hitting 200 episodes. And genuinely, I might cry. Uh, so I'm so excited. <laughs> Yay. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm happy. This is a joyous time. It's a episode. joyous, it's a joyous time for a big episode. You know, once upon a time knows how to go there when it comes to their midseason finales. I will say in comparison to some of the other ones, this one doesn't have a lot of action in it. It's a lot of, it's a lot of slowing things down and then really speeding things up in like the last 10 minutes. Yeah. Which 
doesn't necessarily bother me, but it does mean that there are some problems with the episode. It was written by the showrunners and it was directed by Gwyneth Horder Payton. Uh, I don't really know uh, their work in particular for Once Upon a Time, um, but it was written by the showrunners. So this was like, you know, the storyline that they were working on. This is the ends that they were aiming for. And overall, do you feel like this Dark One storyline, Dark Swan, how do you feel about it now? So I liked it a lot more than I liked it the first time around. Um, coming to the end of it, I will say that I am still, I think my major disappointment the first time and this time was, I feel like it got hurried to close. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it was given the time to end properly. Um, it, it was mixed in with a lot of other weird stuff that I don't think that it, it should have been a standalone kind of situation of it ending and what was going on. Cause it, it just, it felt rushed. It felt like if you were watching a chess game that was taking like for a very long time. And at the end, everyone started moving very, very quickly and you can't even tell what's happening. But at the end of it, something's happened and you're just trying to like gather what you witnessed. Yeah, it didn't it didn't feel like it was a well-structured out storyline to its conclusion, because like I said, two thirds of the episode is people doing nothing. And I was okay with that because it's it's focusing on character moments, which for the most part I liked. I thought that was very interesting. But then you have so much packed in at the end in a way that doesn't feel cohesive that a huge reveal about Rumpelstiltskin is all a exposition dump of what he already did in secret. Yeah. Yeah. And they tried to trick us by making Emma's hair look better than it's ever looked in her life oh but they God. couldn't they couldn't get past me not today once upon a time <laughs> i saw past those beautiful blonde locks um i would also like to say just i won't mention it again but i did love that it's that i think the actors our two scottish actors on set must have been within proximity to each other because rumple's scottish accent came out hard this episode <laughs> like in a good way but it was just like it was so much more noticeable so i have a feeling having a a similar uh, accent, a field uh, helped <laughs> rustle him up a little bit. That was, it was when he was like, no, we're all about to die. It was sound so truly Scottish. <laughs> Two arms, men. Two arms. <laughs> all right. Well, previously on Once Upon a Time, Hook brought all the dark ones from, from the underworld. They're going to wreak havoc, or as it says on the lovely Wikipedia, try to take over Storybrooke, which they don't really do. They no. just, they walk around in, I will say, a mixed assortment of black cloaks. And all of them, except for Nimue, have these weird face covers, which I did not like that. Why can't, why couldn't they just put them all in different variations of the makeup? You, you know? I, I was going to say, it also kind of seemed like they, they kind of went halvesies on Nimue's makeup. Yeah. Like, I feel like they didn't do it all. They, they did their makeup like I did my makeup in 2005. Just the face did not blend to the neck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like the, the dark ones are, are, are proud. They're powerful. They're arrogant. So you'd think that they all come back from the dead we get to rule Storybrooke and we get to do some awesome stuff, which 
they never actually say what they're going to do. They're just going to like do stuff. You'd think every single one of them would be pulling their hoods back and showing off the visage. They're like, I am glorious. I feel this, the wind on my face and I am here to slay literally and figuratively. Yeah. And there's, again, there's so many of them. I have so many questions about timelines and how some of them, like they were, they were all very menacing. Like we were the dark ones. Be fa- be very afraid of us. And it's like, there's so many of you. I have to imagine a couple of you were only the dark one for moments, minutes. Oh yeah. And so it's like you guys are terrible dark ones. You barely knew what happened to you. Uh, but yeah, they did not come to take over Storybrooke. They came to give everyone uh, glow in the dark tattoos. Yes. Um, that would get them admittance into a really shitty club. Yeah, because basically what happens is the Dark Ones just kind of, they're like, our plan is, 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 is it's about to begin. Let's do our thing. And by doing their thing, they go to our main characters, except for Emma. And and except for Belle, and which was Belle very too, yeah. weird. And not yeah. Belle. Which I was very surprised at because if Hook's trying to get his revenge... You think he's not just going to punish Rumple? He's going to try and hurt anyone close to him, because yeah. you know if he's going to if he's going to doom a Emma's teenage son to an eternity in hell, he's going to do it to Belle too. I'm yeah, sorry, it it didn't seem like his revenge. Like because in the last episodes, it seemed like he was mostly focused on Rumple, but kind of also Emma. So, but it didn't seem like he was doling it out the same in this episode it seemed like he mm-hmm. was mostly going for emma because yeah you're right it should have been bell specifically yeah because um, he's always talking about his revenge but he has like and he's but most of it is fo- he's fixated on emma right um, so yeah. they're all walking in a line down the streets of storybrooke they're like oh no we have to we have to stop this whatever this is and then the dwarves show up so <laughs> They're yeah, the, here for like a minute. The dwarves show up to give us a little bit of information. Who's here? There's two dark ones? No, there's still only six of us because Z's still a tree. Like, it was just like a real quick, we gave him a bunch of lines to make sure that we're all, we don't need a previously on. We've just got Grumpy shouting as he learns information. I mean, he's he is evolving as a storyteller in Once Upon a Time. He would At first, he was only just telling us when there's curses. And now he also can tell us when things have happened before. Yeah. See, he's growing. You know what? I really think shows need to start doing that. No previously on, because it always is very clear when they like do close up shots of stuff. We were like, oh, I have to, I'm supposed to have remembered this. So something must be happening with this. No, I just want one character uh, outrageously learning information and repeating it in just horror and suspicion. Just, there's how many dark ones now? What's going on? There's only six of us now. Um, yeah. So they're And back. ideally, have it be somebody who can scream about a curse at any time. Because okay. that's the kind of versatility you need. Did they also get marked? No. Okay. As I thought they were also in the street while this was going on. So no, because they confused. all... So what happens is they all split up, which is always the best plan. You definitely split the party. Yeah. Uh, Mary, Margaret, and Charming are doing something. <laughs> Regina and Robin are doing something. Henry is presumably doing something. We don't really see him. And all of them are 
oh, we actually we see it when it, when it happens to Henry through Nimue. They all are like whooshed by the dark ones. I... By like six of them. I thought there were way more than six, but apparently only six souls are needed to uh, swap out for all the dark ones. They they gave us lore that they then confounded me with. I didn't understand a lot of this, and also because I I'm also not as not as tired as only running on a few hours of sleep. But it was definitely one of those when they started talking about what they had been marked with. I know what they're talking about. I'm aware, but it sounds like the mark of Karen, and I just kept laughing. And I was like, "You've been marked. She's gonna come see you. She thinks you're the manager. <laughs> You've been marked. <laughs> she has a problem with her steak." Like, I feel like this whole thing could have been done a lot better if they simply had not brought back all the dark ones and instead just had Killian just marking them for shits and giggles and just doing it for fun. Yeah, or just bring back Nimue. And you need all those all those bodies to make up for this one soul because she is the original dark one. She's that powerful. Like you could do something like that, but then how 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 would you give Mr. Gold all the power of all the dark ones if they're not all there? Yeah, mm. I feel like we didn't need them all there. Like we would mm. again, we just needed a throwaway line from Nimue. Like, you know, like, hey, I thought I told you to bring every single dark one that's ever existed and she was just like, No, we didn't have enough boats for that. Uh, so I have just absorbed them you know, and just like I am all of the dark ones. I am the embodiment of every dark one. They're all in me right now. Which would, yeah. Because then you could introduce, like, a different, like, level of, like, I think one of the problems when they introduce things like this is that there's never a hint of danger for that character. So it'd be like, listen, I have absorbed every single dark one. I need to come in and do this and go before I physically explode. Like, <laughs> if I explode, the dark one stuff's just going to go everywhere. We're not going to be able to contain it. Like, there need to there needed to be, like, a timer of some sort going on. Because there was, I didn't feel like there was enough drama. Even if yeah. you're going to go slow, I feel like there needs to be something quietly ticking in the background. Yeah, I, I think this this episode definitely, uh, definitely highlighted some flaws in the showrunner's approach to storytelling. They're good at moving things along. They are not very good at slowing things down. Even As much as we want that for yeah. the show, we want those slow character moments. They just don't do them well. You know who doesn't have slow character moments? Uh, Regina. Her Apple Watch, she must have had 30,000 steps by the oh end of this gosh. episode. She was everywhere. Well, because, you know, they all get marked with the mark of Charon, which means that when, by by midnight tonight, the, the rower boat guy for the underworld is going to come take them all to hell. And Rumble really pumps up how bad the underworld is which at the time was making us i remember so jazzed like vibrating with excitement what are we gonna get from this we'll get there oh yeah nothing but good times for us (laughs) we'll Um, get there guys (laughs) i do and i i enjoyed this like i i'm gonna say that i had a little bit of a problem with it but i do like that the idea of being marked and going to the underworld truly hit Rumple and Snow right in the knees. 
because they were just so crestfallen. Rumble's like, guys, it's done. Like, there's not a damn thing we can do. I, you say goodbye to each other. Like, it's like the, the world's worst doctor is just like, I don't know, man. Just, I don't know, start making out, make out your will is, I guess, my only advice. Um, and then Snow was the same way. So I was like, I don't even want to fight this. I just, I want to make sure that we're all together eating fries. Uh, that's truly what I want. So it's like, I, that makes it seem like there's, like, that's something that they're truly afraid of. Enough to not be heroic. They just want the base things in life. Like, Rumple wants to save Belle. And Snow wants to be with her family. And Charming, Charming seems oddly unfazed by most of it. He says nothing yeah. this most episode. Like, like later Snow is like crying to her, be like, "I love you so much, Emma. I just make sure you're granny." And Charming's like, "See ya," and leaves. Like he doesn't. <laughs> the hell, man. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he was trying, you know, trying to do the manly, like you know put on a brave face, be strong for the family kind of thing. But it just came across as nonchalant. <laughs> Witness, man not caring. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so that's what we kind of see all the characters doing. Rumple uh, gives Belle the car, gives gives her a, 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 a thing, a magic thing that's going to let her leave town. And um, at the time, he's like, you know, was it actually selfless? We'll never know because of all the selfishness that comes across later. I think at the time he did, he had genuinely given up. Like he hadn't heard the moment Regina and Emma came to him with the new plan. Yeah. I think that's when it switched. But I do think at this time he was being genuinely heroic. And I think he was giving Belle her best chance. And then we have Snow and Charming and Henry at Granny's with the baby having slow-mo smiles and it's incredibly awkward and no one else is there. It's very weird. It but was all... This, yeah. Okay, so... And it's just, just because of the time that we live in right now. But based on how all of the little different vignettes happened and the fact that it's often just Regina and another character in different locations and oftentimes there's no one there, this episode... And I know that it's not because it was shot way beforehand. This episode gave me such, we shot this during COVID vibes. <laughs> like I could not break it because every scene was, everyone's oddly spaced from each other. There's not a lot of people in each scene. The townspeople have all just disappeared. It was so wild to me. I'm just like, if you showed this to somebody, they would think that this was shot in 2020, 2020, 2020 or 2021. Yeah, but they couldn't afford all the extras yeah. except for the two paramedics randomly at the end, uh, because <laughs> because we had to uh, conjure a cyclone for Regina to uh, throw Zelina into and send her to Oz without her child. When okay, Zelina so wasn't technically doing anything to them, she was just biding her time. So. I mean, in in fairness, she was also vaguely threatening them. Like, she was... I don't know, the whole time I was watching this, I just kept thinking to myself, it's like, it's so good that this is a world without magic. <laughs> because could you imagine custody fights when people have magic? Like, this is <laughs> what it would be. 
be like, hey, why isn't the defendant here? Oh, I sent her dumb ass out in a cyclone. Like, she will never see the son or daughter or whatever. <laughs> and it's just like, like this, it, it was such a weird little custody battle thing that happened. Um, and the conversation, so Regina in, is with Robin at one point. And then, like, a, when the dark ones show up, he pulls a bow on them at, like, point-blank range. Um, and then Zelina's there suddenly, and then he points it at her. And this is just because I did my rewatch very recently, but in the first ep- or in the first Lord of the Rings movie in Fellowship, when Boromir is going down, spoilers, uh, there's an orc that stands, like, the big orc stands right in front of him and is just, like, slowly pulls his bow back it's the middle of the day it's this giant it's my it's the funniest scene in lord of the rings to me because it is just a giant seven foot dude trying to fire like just like knock somebody out point blank rage with a bow and you hear the bow stretch it's that's what it reminded me of i'm like what are you you're not threatening with that thing like it's not gonna get any momentum like anyway, that close yeah yeah but it's also like you she can easily dodge it like it's like oh, like <laughs> both did the same thing we just uh. yeah we we were yeah we just uh we, yeah. we both created a lot of visual episode a lot of visual we still have which... not moved past our 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 visual jokes um but yeah like this whole like weird custody battle thing that then ended up getting wrapped up in kind of a neat i say neat way being meaning it was clean not a neat way like i liked it because <laughs> regina's send-off line when regina when when zelina goes off in the cyclone like, I yeah, feel like if she would have had one more line, she had two lines. She said, I'll, you know, you, you know, Zelina goes, she's like, you'll see me again. She goes, yeah, somewhere over the rainbow in like not today, witch or something like that. I wanted her to say a third thing while she walked away going, damn, I should have gone with the, you know, see you later alligator joke. You know what I mean? Like, I wish she would have just like acknowledged that what she said was dumb as hell. Be like, <laughs> ah, ah, it didn't work. It didn't work. Damn. Yeah, but see, that would that would require the showrunners, the writers, to acknowledge that they'd written stupid lines, and I don't think they saw them as stupid. I think they saw it as a power moment. So I, I know, and you know, a little what? bit of lack of self awareness. Yeah, on and and I and and like I've said in previous episodes, I do believe that Zelina practices all of her insults in the shower. I don't think Regina does. I don't think she does. She doesn't need to. She usually comes up with them on the fly. This one was just a swing and a miss. Well, the, the, the problem for Regina is that when she was the evil queen, that's all she did. And so she was just so good at it. She was like a master of improv. But now she's rusty because she's good now. So she doesn't like all she's got. Even Hook even makes fun of her at one point and be like, what? No Captain Guyliner? Because her insults aren't really her, her de mole or whatever he says are not hitting like they used to. Uh, well, before we get to Hook and Regina and their whole sordid past with some um, heated tension, I will say, uh, we also have Emma and and Hook because Hook is just taunting her the entire time, being like, all your family's gonna die and suffer eternally and give me the sword. I'll disguise myself as Henry and you're gonna <sighs> fall for it? Yeah. What is she doing? Here you go, Henry. Hen- Ugh, Emma. Emma. <laughs> I, I get that narratively they're trying to represent that Emma is just, she she's at the end of the line. 
Like she she can go no further. Her 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 string has been pulled taut and it is about to snap. Mm-hmm. She has she's got very little left. She is her eyes are pooled with tears the whole time. The control of the dark one is going away. I, I kind of wish her hair had become a little bit more frazzled with I that. I was saying I was gonna say that because they did it did look like it was a little bit looser. Like you saw a bit of a wave. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was intentional. I want to say that it was. I will also say the eye makeup that they did to make it seem like she was constantly ringed with tears looked so good with the dark one makeup. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish it was more of a choice to do that when she was in control. Like, to just have, like... Because that's, like, the thing now. I can't do it because I also just look like I have pink eye. But, like, the red and pink makeup that some people do just blows my mind. So that looked great. She had the platinum hair with the just the, the absolute sparkly <laughs> vampire skin, uh, Twilight vampire skin, and then just the rim, red rimmed eyes. Amazing. She looked very threatening. Like she was just ready to snap. But the whole time I'm like, this this is a dark one I can get behind. Yeah, but then she never does. Like all no. she does is just stare and get sad. And stare and get sad. And she does, like, take action. She's like, I'm going to stop this once and for all. But then in the end, she, she she can't. She can't do it. And then she ends up giving the sword to Hook when he's disguised as Henry. But alas, Regina is on the case. And by on the case, I mean she's stomping around in her stylish boots. And she's going to give Hook what's what a couple times. And she's going to remind him of a secret. Secrets. Because secret secrets are no fun. No. Secret secrets hurt someone. And in this case, it's hurting a father in the gullet because he gets stabby. <laughs> a father that has a lot of very convenient stories. Um, a, a lot of convenient stories and a lot of convenient life lessons I, told to little boys at bedtime. <laughs> at bedtime and in death. Like, yeah. I don't know. I consider myself an an all right mom. I, I probably wouldn't, you know, trade my kid to for a rowboat to go anywhere. I mean, I'm not I'm not that bad. But I also just don't think that if I got stabbed, that I would be doling out advice crisply and clearly. But I do think that that's like a real cool move, though, because that's a haunting advice. You know what I mean? Like your mm-hmm. last word should just absolutely live rent free in somebody's head. So I get it, but I just, I feel like I feel like that was it was just a weird swing with this whole character. So it it further justified the point that this character didn't exist as a person; it existed as a lesson for Hook. Yeah, like they f- they created a guy just to fridge him, or yeah. you can't fridge a guy. You can I don't know what's the is there a term for fridging guys? I mean, I'm assuming because fridging happens in same sex couple. Like, well, that's also bury your gays, but yeah. bury your daddies. <laughs> Stabby your daddies? Stabby. Okay. 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 (laughs) I am too far into my can of wine for this to go anywhere but south. Uh, So so we open the episode, right? And it's what we first see is basically little Killian. He's on his little ship bed. Ship. Ship. Um, And his dad comes down and is just like, you can be anything you want to be. Reach for the stars. And it kind of gives him uh, 
We watched A Knight's Tale the other day, so it had that kind of vibe to it. Like, any man can oh, change the stars. A, that's a good movie. It's a good movie and absolutely holds up. I love that movie. Um, But, yeah, it's just a, you know, you, a man can change the stars. Be the man you want to be. Okay, see ya. Good night, Hassan. Closes the door and I'm just like, wow, my dad's so great. Above deck, Brennan Jones is his name. I don't think they ever actually said his name. Genuinely. Uh, yeah. But the Wikipedia names him Brennan. Um, and notes in his trivia, he's one of the few Enchanted Forest characters that has a known surname. So, yay. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so, Brennan Jones uh, is, is being like, you can take my sons, Killian and Liam. Uh, they'll be great um, on your ship. I need a boat and I need to GTFO ASAP. And he's like, the old guy's like, yeah, sure. Old man then goes, like, downstairs to talk to Killian, being like, hey, remember when your dad said he loved you and he would never leave you? Anyway, you belong to me now, and he's leaving. And, like, that's the end of that flashback. Yeah. It, like, hard cut to Killian being a full adult man. Like, the kid doesn't start crying or get confused or, like, try to make a run for it. He's just like, damn, dad did it again. I, this was a weird scene that I didn't like. I didn't like it either because it also, much like, this whole flashback has some interesting elements to it. Like, I think the Regina and Hook stuff is really cool. Yeah. But this whole... All the all the characters that have been placed in Killian's life for this for the purpose of the moral lesson of this flashback aren't people. They are moral lessons in a flashback. This guy doesn't speak like a real person would because he is literally parroting and echoing what the father said to him in private. Be like, well, now you know what kind of father, what kind of man he really is. I'm like, why would you say that unless you knew that's what the father also said. Um, so it's, you know, narrative irony. Yeah. It just doesn't make any, it's, it's, this, this is very textbook bad once upon a time writing. Yeah. Cause I also think that the old guy would probably have just been like, listen, man, your dad, kind of a piece of shit. Like, I'm just going to level with you. Like you're better without him. You're going to do, I will feed you and everything, but you do, you know, you do you do kind of belong like he gave that you to me like i'm your dad now like i guess um that's somehow the least icky version of that um but like that would have been because he was kind of like a weird evil guy about it yeah and it was just like what is going like twirling his mustache like you belong to me now because your dad is a piece of shit swab the poop dick um (laughs) I just, yeah, I didn't, whatever. So we, so we smash cut to Hook randomly standing in the middle of a field and a cup of wine, which, you know what? I'm not even going to question. That's extra as hell and completely lines up with Hook as a character at this point. Um, I mean, props to Hook for going with wine because he knows he's about to see the queen. He's not doing rum. He's, he's being classy. It's in a cup, damn it. Like, it's in a goblet. It's in a goblet, and you can you know that he doesn't give a shit about the goblet because he then just tosses it. Um, so anyway, anyway, he's standing there because apparently there this is the meeting place for 
he and Regina, the evil queen. And she gets out looking fantastic. And what proceeds to happen is probably one of my favorite scenes. Uh, because oh, they're so like good. awkwardly flirting with each other. Like, cause neither one of them know each other, but they're just both like, are you extra as hell? I am. Are you? Yes. We should kiss. Like, it's just, <laughs> it has such a vibe to it that I loved. And one of my favorite parts. So basically she's like, hey, listen, I need you to kill my mom. And he's like, I'm on it. She's like, but I need you to stop drinking this oddly small goblet of wine. Um, and he's like, no, 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 it's fine. I know exactly what I was with. The whole conversation is happening within like a breadth, like a hair's breadth of each other. They're just like so close, so close. You, I, like their noses were about to touch. It was so randomly sexy. And I don't know. They were both like, yeah, hey, I'm going to go kill your mom. Cool. But I need you to do something first. Oh, you got a test for me? You going to make me do a test? Oh, you got to climb into the carriage with you? Okay. I can do that. I'm going to drink my wine though first. It's like, uh, hello. Okay. So like, one thing I want to note from the scene, because I, I, I agree, I think it's probably one of my favorites of the episode, if not my favorite, is that this is very much the these two actors in their very top form. And I felt like Regina was her Reginiousness. I can't, I don't know how to explain it, but she was like at peak performance. And I think honestly, it's because the two actors... Are, are getting to bounce off of each other as these very over-the-top, cartoonishly evil, sexy villain characters. And I think they really just like... what Because when Regina is with characters that, like her mom, who, who, you know, bring her down or things like that, it can get a little bit muddled and a little bit meh at times. So when she's with a character who, who amplifies her outlandishness, it's just... It's just a beautiful thing of poetry it's just gorgeous one of my favorite bits in this though is the fact that she is not her peak like you i i agree with you i just want to make sure that's clear she is her peak regina neist but this isn't her final form as regina no. so you can tell that she's really awkward still like she's still playing at being evil and extra because, like, even when she opens the carriage, she, like, has her whole arm out. And she's like, hello, I need you to kill my mom. And then, like, she starts walking away. And she says something to Hook that doesn't land right. And he gives her a hard time about it. And she turns and she's looking at the carriage and she makes a face. She's like, God, he got me. Damn it. But then she turns <laughs> and her eyebrows are just, like, fully up. And she's like, get in my carriage, sexy pirate man. Let's go. Like, she turns it on the moment she turns back to look at him. And I loved the just subtle awkwardness of Regina in this episode or in this scene because it's like she's trying to get something done, but you can tell she's so, A, not comfortable in her Regina-niness, but also she finds him uncontrollably attractive. <laughs> and I think the third element to that is <coughs> she's essentially going up against her greatest opponent, her own mother. And she's trying to beat her mother at her own game. And that's why she's putting Hook through this test. And when I was like, oh, it's a test thing. Okay, it's because, you know, we need yeah. an extra plot line in here. But then once we actually hear what it is, it made absolute sense that Regina would make him. Do she, one, she would know this information because that's something Cora would do. And two, she would exploit it 
to for her own benefit to you yeah. know have him kill his father because it's like that's something Cora would do. She's beating she is trying to bring herself up to Cora's level, which I think also makes it very interesting. I do it, it also really reads to the fact that like the way and I've talked about this before, but the way that the dark curse was enacted is that so much detail had to go into it to make this a town that worked on a day-to-day basis that Regina is like a type A control freak that <laughs> she would not have approached Hook without knowing more information about his own life than he even knows. Hmm? What's up? Sorry. Tim just appeared in the back of the Zoom call and it, I, my soul left my body. <laughs> Why? What happened? I don't know. He just appeared and scared the absolute hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I saw his face and I just... We're in the middle of the podcast and Abby just saw you randomly appear in the background and got very scared. It's the, it's the Poulter Tim. I don't know. I just saw his face and it scared me. I don't know why. I like looked up and looked back down. Okay. Sorry. Episode 200. Episode 200. Um, so yeah, so, so anyway. she takes t- Hook to a tavern where pirates are not allowed. Oh yeah. It has a very Star Wars. Get your droids out of here. Yeah. And he's got to do a murder. One murder, please. Yes. And and Hook instantly figures out who it is, and he's totally right. He's like, oh, I got to kill the bouncer. She's like, no, you dumbass. You <laughs> but I love kill. how she does it, because she just kills him, and then she just walks over the body and be like, not him. No, not him. No, 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 no. no he's already dead. That guy over there. That, like, inexplicably hot man at the bar. <laughs> like, they made his dad too sexy. Like, like, a different kind of sexy than Hook is, but it was just like that, like, I don't know how to explain it. So anyway. was he under a sleeping curse for like a hundred years or two hundred years longer? Because he says centuries. Yeah, that, I feel like that implies more than two. But me. then there was like a nurse. Was the nurse just brought in at the end? Because uh, I, the nurse wouldn't age. I, I mean, would age. I have so many questions. So basically, Hook is just like, oh, that's my dad. And he's like, oh, okay. So he waits until closing. And the bartender is like, listen, man, I don't want any trouble. But, like, you kind of have to go. My permit only lets me have people in here drinking until 2. And I can't get another strike. They'll take my license. I can't have that. And he's just like, oh, oh, suddenly you're all about the rules, uh, dad. And <laughs> it's like, what the hell? And he's like, yeah, you left me on a boat, you jerk. And he's like. Killian? Because he recognized him, I guess. I don't know. Um, and then they have this weird conversation that is just an info dump that doesn't answer anything except to bring up more questions. So basically, kill. Okay, so so Hook says you found a way to also cheat death and live for centuries. He's like, yeah, I you've you know I abandoned you centuries ago. How are you still here? And Hook's like, I was in Neverland. This is how you know people are telling the truth, by the way. They don't give you all the information. When people start telling you too many details, you're suspicious. Hook's just like, I was in Neverland. That's that's all he has to say. His dad, on the other hand, starts going into a weird amount of detail. In which, I'm going to just say headcanon, I don't believe any of it. <laughs> Something else weird happened because this whole story doesn't make a lick of sense. Really? You think he was lying? I feel like, I don't know if it... Again, canonically, I don't know if that's true. I think this was just genuinely what happened to him. But in my brain, mm. there's a different story here. 
that he's not telling. Like, there's so much weird stuff missing. I was put under a sleeping curse. By whom? Why? For what? What's going on? And there was a nurse taking care of me, as you mentioned. Who? Why? When? For what? When? Where? What's going on? And then apparently, and so this lines up with the charming, uh, with the charming and the, the Mary Margaret stuff of being like, you can kind of hear people when you're in your red room of fire sleeping curse mm-hmm. situation. Um, although wouldn't that be, funny? we're in the red room. Who's the guy with the long hair? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Hook's dad. Oh, hey. <laughs> hey, Hook's dad. <laughs> Uh, I'm Brennan. Brennan? I'm gonna call you Hook's dad. Um, so, he's like, I was under a sleeping curse, there was a nurse, and she talked to me, and I fell in love with her while she talked to me. Here's where I got the biggest problem. She kisses him? Did she fall in love with an asleep guy? Yeah. Like, is, okay. Is it yeah, like, and, oh, no, no, that's the weird thing, because, like, he is unconscious. He's never met her. He cannot consent to the kiss. No. At all. Like, yeah. Mm. But Mm. also, like, this also speaks to a different thing. If you are falling in love, head over heels, true love, because someone is nice to you, (laughs) because they are tending to you, seek therapy. Like, that is not the bar for true love. Please. She's like, I'm just here taking care of you. Oh, I love you so much. You can't believe anyone would tr- tend to me, this scabbard of a man who was put under a sleeping curse for no reason. But then that wakes him up. Okay, cool. So then they get married. That would have been an awkward wedding. <laughs> just, ima- just imagining like, the maid of honor. Ting, 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 ting. When I first met Brennan, he was fully asleep. <laughs> We were working the ER together, and I was like, isn't he cute? And Janet was like, absolutely. I don't remember if she had a name. Hands off, he's mine. Hands off, he's mine. Webster's Dictionary defines love. So (laughs) can I also just say that another notch in the this backstory is not for it's only a metaphor for what hook is going through right now like it's only serving as a plot filler thing it's not actual character development at all because everything that his dad is going through is like a parallel to what hook has and is going through oh i was a scoundrel and i did bad things and then the love of a woman made me a better man and now i've got a better life and i have to do the right thing now blah 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 Isn't it funny how, like, all these stories are about bad men having the love of a woman make them better? Yeah, it's great. It's awesome and not weird and complicated at all. I'd also like to point out that the family tree, Brennan Jones, wife unknown, or the the mother of Liam and Killian, unknown, according to this. Uh, But then on the other side, wife, neither of his wives have names and he never invokes them when you love people you say their names it's just like i married a woman she was a nurse she was wonderful she died at some point you say her damn name yeah i i that i it's such a weird thing for like they invented a woman to give him character development and they couldn't even bother to name her 
Yeah. And what then she doing? dies of the plague. She dies of the plague. Again, which is a weird thing to hear when the whole time I'm fighting, this was shot during COVID. Like, <laughs> this was shot during COVID. She died of the plague. My God. First, she lost her tense, sense of smell and taste. Uh, she, she wrote some really nasty Yankee candle reviews. Um, so she dies and Hook's like, okay, listen, I can get you papers to get you out of here, but I'm supposed to like kill you as some sort of test. I don't want to do that anymore because you've told me this wonderful, definitely true story. So I'm going to get you out of here. And he's like, cool. Can it be for two people? Because I have a son with my unnamed wife who is dead. He's like, my son has a name. (laughs) My son has a name. My God. It's a doozy. My son has a name. (laughs) Okay. My son has a name. So Hook gets the papers and he's looking at them and then he goes and he like opens the cabin door and he's like, dad, I'm here. He didn't say anything, but he's just like opening the door. He's like, I'm going to save my dad and his son. What a wonderful thing for me. I am the biggest man in the universe. I am so wonderful and grand. I am a hero now. And he hears his dad saying verbatim the same thing he said to him the night he abandoned him. Which led me to believe we were abandoning this child. I would just like to point out, I'm like, oh, we're abandoning him too. But no, what he does, it is all of a setup for him to drop the name of the child and say, Liam. And this is Hook's final straw. He cannot. So he like leaves. And like, Brennan like runs out. Hey, Hook, I saw you there. Hey, what's going on? Let's go. He's like, you named that kid Liam? Why? He's like, oh, to honor him. And um, is, is Hook the oldest of, or is Liam the older brother? I think they're implying that Killian's the older one. Okay, because it's kind of a kind of a. I'm just gonna say it's kind of a dick move to go with Liam over. Uh, I'm trying to. It's find a it. dick move to name your son after one one of the sons you abandoned. It doesn't really say. Uh, yeah, no, 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 one hundred percent. Like he's like it's to honor him. No, it's you trying to make up for what you did. If you would have had a second kid, the other kid would have been named Killian, and you would have just been like, "This is my new family. I have replaced them." Amazing. Anyway, so then Hook's just like you, awful person. So he stabs him and kills him, and as his dad, I wish this was paralleled. With what happens to Hook later, where Hook just, like, slowly lowers to the ground, citing Aesop's fables or something. Uh, But his dad is just like, don't let this change you. Be the man you wanted to be. You can do it, son. You, too, can play for the NFL. I believe in you. Uh." (laughs) I honestly thought at that moment that Hook was going to go into the cabin and tell the son the same thing that had been told to him. And I was like... I was ready for it to like per- continue the cycle and be like, oh yeah, your dad left. Like go bury, like go hide the body and be like, your dad the abandoned you and now you're in servitude oh, no. to me. Go swab my decks. That, okay. First of all, that would have been hilarious. Not hilarious, but like great because it would have had kind of like a, I don't want to say it like I'm not going to say it's a one to one, but give it kind of like a Snape Harry Potter situation where he kind of hates the kid for no reason. Like he hates the kid because of who the kid is, but the kid has no idea what has happened or what he's done wrong. He does not know who this man even is. You know what? Kind of that vibe. Um, that would have been cool. 
But again, I thought there was going to be so much stuff. But then he, I, I think this gets brought up later. Like something happens. Like Liam comes back. Spoilers. Liam Senior. Liam Junior. Yeah. No, Liam Junior. Returns. Oh, he does. I think so. I, but I think he returns in season six. Because I feel like I remember Liam in being involved. It. I'm gonna just tell you what's in my brain right now. It is connected to me, Liam and Pop Tarts, and Ten Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. All of that is connected in my brain for some reason. Hmm. Whether that comes to pass, I don't know. We'll find um, out. But I'm just letting you know what what is invoked in my head when I found out. I was like, oh yeah, he has a stepbrother. And then I went, oh yeah, and all this stuff started spilling out of my memory bank. Um. So yeah. So because we don't see really what happens, he just like stabs his dad and like leaves him there. Um, which I can't yeah. imagine is great for the character development of Liam Jr. Um, maybe he'll go be in a submarine later. Who knows? <laughs> but like, that's the end. Yeah. But we like jump forward later and we find out that like Regina knows what happened, but they never explicitly say she knows what happened. See, that's the thing is that that was actually a deleted scene. There are so many deleted scenes in this episode. It's a deleted scene? Yeah, this is a deleted scene. Apparently there was one where Hook went to the palace and told her he passed the test and killed his, killed his father and like throws the shirt on the ground as proof. And then um, they the queen then's like, that you're exactly the man that you need to be. And, you know, because that's the theme of the episode. They say it like 40 billion times. And then they agree to never speak about it again because we've never brought it up. So that's why they resort to secrecy. And then um, he gets the the enchantment on his hook to take out Korra's heart. So oh. it's just like filling in that thing, which we didn't need. But I think plot wise, I think it's still very interesting. Uh, but yeah, that was a deleted scene. All right. Which is bananas to me. That feels like an important scene to have. There's actually a couple scenes that they mark as deleted that were necessary for plot development, in my opinion. I think this that episode was... needed to be longer. This should have been the two-parter. Have yeah. a two-parter mid-season finale that is not the 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 weird dead people beer. According uh, to one of our wonderful listeners, apparently the Merida episode was like a studio mandate from Disney or something. Like, basically, like, something, like, in exchange for getting to use Merida, they had uh-huh. to, like, do a bigger thing with Merida. Oh. Or something. That's fair. I am. Yeah. And I get that. I, I do. I think they... I don't know. I get it. I It also bothers me when there's this much involvement in production with people who sit at a desk. Like, or at, like, a board table. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's why seasons later are always kind of bad. Like, the first season of shows are always, like, not always, but oftentimes very good. Mm -hmm. And it gets derailed later because suddenly people have more opinions on how we can keep it successful. And they're never good notes. Yeah. They're never good notes. Like, leave it alone. Just leave it alone. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that is the backstory of Hook. To be the man he was meant to be, which in this case is a villain who is going to send all of Emma's loved ones to hell for eternity. Okay. You yeah. do you, I guess. Okay. And uh, all the... Um, so they have quiet moments together. Emma tries to stop things by... After leaving a note for... Uh, after leaving a note for her family as they're having silent dinner at Granny's, 
And she goes to Regina, tries to get Rumple to help them out with something. It doesn't quite come together. And everyone is brought to the edge of the lake along with the dark ones. Oh no, it's happening. Oh no, oh no. And then Regina goes up to, to uh, Hook's face and is like, remember that thing we were never talking about? It's very important right now. So remember it because it's going to make you do things. And he remembers it and it makes him do things. And he uh, he absorbs all the power of the Dark Ones into the sword. And the, the physicality of Emma and Hook in this scene is very funny. Because yes, they were yes, given terrible direction on what was happening with this sword. <laughs> I... The whole time I had to rewatch the scene because the first time I watched it, I was too preoccupied with what was about to happen because of the awkward length of the sword. Because they are, again, they are standing so close to each other. So it's like, what is going on? Also, I was expecting her to give some sort of like Xena warrior princess cry right before she did it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, the sword is too big. (laughs) <laughs> there's no way he stays on his feet like like when they kind of like they embraced i thought she was gonna like slowly lower him to the ground but then she just like separates from him and removes the sword and he stays standing <laughs> like again i'm all for some camp but come on this this was just bad you're your uh, observation correct this is just them having bad direction as to what was going on because you see like the cut on his neck is now open i mean they're both standing and this is all terrible direction for what they're supposed to be doing they're acting the absolute hell out of this oh yeah. i loved it because emma goes back to emma she's no longer dark emma her her long blonde locks are back she's in her red jacket and hook is just standing there just bleeding everywhere and, it's and just her like, like it, 70s it, her like seventies bangs with the slightly off center part, it's giving full 2022, 2023 vibes. Like this Emma look is in vogue nowadays. Like she is in fashion. Yes, she is. With the with the jacket and everything. Like I feel like also has very Charlie's Angels vibes. Yes. Where it's just like big hair, big hair don't care kind of situation. Like if she removed a motorcycle helmet and all that hair fell out, I totally believe it. Um but yeah, she also got time. a trim. It's not as long as before, or at least the extensions aren't as long. No, it and it's it's almost clearly extensions because it's also not moving the way her hair normally moved. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's whatever. I, I get it. It's just change, change. But it was one of those things where it's like her hair's back. Yes, and I'm sure she was so happy sitting in that makeup chair, getting her hair done again, being like, "Thank you." thank you and they're like throwing the white spray paint stuff in the trash can and lighting it on fire it's a whole it's a whole celebration the whole makeup team is like just shouting to the heavens thank you god she no longer has the 3 a.m call on the sheet (laughs) she's just like thank you um but yeah so she stabs the hell out of hook removes the knife he falls to the ground and he's just like i did it I'm the man I was supposed to be. I'm the man. Okay, this is the part. This is the stuff that I don't get. I don't understand why characters in movies and stuff put so much stock in the stuff that their deadbeat ass dads say. (laughs) 
I'm just saying, like, this guy sucked. Like, why are we, why are we hung up on the weird stuff that he said to you? He didn't believe it at all. Well, and, but the weirder thing is, like, it's not just about what the dad was saying. It's what everyone in this episode is saying independently of each other. Like, uh, I actually have a prop note here with Emma's letter to the family that she leaves because they show it momentarily. In it, it says, please promise me you'll move on and find help, happiness and help Henry grow into the best man he can be. Yeah. Like, there's a whole, like, there's a whole motif in this episode of every single character being very obsessed with man-ness being, like, being the best man. But they never actually define what that is. In, See, the, in the context of this, it's dying. Yeah, and this is the part where, like, I, 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 this is the part where being a good person is the better note here. Because being a good man, like, how is that different than being a good person? Like, why couldn't a woman also be doing this? So, like, saying being a good person invokes a different kind of imagery than saying to be be the best kind of man. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't feel like I'm explaining this very well, but, like, that's that's the problem I had with it. Where it's, it's like, we... It's, it's coded, coded language. language. Yeah, 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 yeah. Coded. Loaded. Coded, loaded. Coded, loaded language. <laughs> we got there. Um, yeah. And it, again, it's also like, this didn't happen that long ago. I feel like I keep talking about it like it was yesteryear in media, but like it is, it is a holdover from a a different way media was made. I feel Mm -hmm. like if it was made now, it would be person, Mm -hmm. like, you know, be the better person because that's what it is. Like you want him to die as a good person, not a good man, not a good, just a good person. Like, I did this right. I'm sorry I messed up. Because he does. He basically apologizes. He said he's sorry, but he wants to atone for those things. But he but he also doesn't have to. Like, I feel like they don't do a lot, good job explaining, like, Regina says it earlier, like, exploiting the weakness. That's what the Dark Curse is doing. Or the Dark Curse. The Dark One Curse is doing to him. It's exploiting his weakness. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they show enough that it's exploiting his weakness of how passionately he loves Emma. That feeling betrayed by her makes him want to burn everything down. Like, that's what a toxic, evil person would do. You are so passionately in love with somebody that the only answer, the antithesis of your betrayal to the love is, like, sending her son to hell. Because a good person wouldn't do that. A good person would be betrayed and be hurt, but not want to then hurt the person that they at one point loved. Yeah, this very much feels like the showrunners watched season two of Buffy <laughs> with the whole Angelus thing. Because a lot of the stuff that happens in this is very, is ripped straight from the pages right down to the death scene. Like yeah. the whole big giant sword, man who's evil has a moment of clarity and she has to stab him in order to save everybody. Like, it's very much a, a copy-paste in some ways. Uh, although the Buffy scene was done a lot better. Even, but uh, not, not to the fault of the actors. No, they no, are, no, no. Jennifer Morrison and Colin O'Donoghue are working their tuchuses off in oh, this they scene. All, I, I will admit, for as much as I don't like any, like, I don't like the what happens with Rumpel, which we're going to get to and stuff. But, like, and, and I don't like how the Charmings reacted to the end of the world. Let's all go cry at Granny's for a while. While Charming holds the baby with his hand over it so no one can tell it's fake. 
Uh, cause they don't want the, the, what's that sniper movie where, um, oh no, Bradley Cooper was holding that clearly fake baby, like American sniper or whatever, <laughs> where he's like clearly a fake baby. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Like everyone is acting their absolute asses off in this episode, but like for nothing. Like it's like such a third, like this is not their best script. They yeah. are moving the pieces too quickly. It feels like they were running out of time. It was so rushed. Um, and so the other problem that I had with this, and we're going to, we'll, we'll get to it, is just like, I noticed that once Emma comes back, she's more interested in emulating her parents and what they express as true love instead of expressing true love in the way that she wants to. Does that make sense? Like she, she, she mimics one of their lines. She like the last line of the episode is I will always find you. And then she talks about how she's going to split their hearts because, like, that's what her parents did. Like, her whole plan is someone else's plan. I didn't necessarily have a problem with that. I understand your point, and I totally see it. But out of all the issues I had with this episode, that wasn't really one of them. Because, like, you know, she's in... I think it actually can be considered as a strength because the whole theme of the season was Emma doing things alone. But this is her coming to her family and being like, being like, I'm going to do what you did. You've inspired me. That said, there is another deleted scene. Oh my God. (laughs) There's actually two. Two. Um, Apparently there is a, um, a scene where uh, all the people of Camelot are leaving. <laughs> so we just don't see that happen. Arthur just leaves? Are, well, yeah, because Merida has him as a prisoner. And they all enter a portal and just go. <laughs> Including Violet. Violet's gone. Merida's gone. Arthur's gone. You know, you know, just nothing that matters. You know, it's fine. Just the whole storyline of Camelot. They just it, they didn't include it in the final episode. But then there's also, you know, when she, when Emma goes to everybody at Mary Margaret's place and is like, hey, I'm going to go do this plan because it's what worked for you guys and I want to do it. Too. I think it's going to work for us. Um, this There's a scene where everybody basically says, I'm going to go with you. And Emma says, no, it's too risky. But Regina convinces her to accept everyone's help. What? Everyone's going with her? Yeah. They don't explain that ever. Exactly. There was a scene where they explained it. And apparently in the scene, like, there's an explanation for why Henry's there. Because I'm like, why the hell is a child going with them? Apparently he says, I was able to find you in Boston when I was just 10. And kind of implying that, like, if you don't take me, I'm going to figure it out for myself and I'm going to get there anyway. Wait a minute. Why do I feel like I've seen that? Well, we, we see we see the first half of the scene, but no, apparently no, no. it was longer. Okay. Well, I feel like I've seen that part of it, the part that you just explained. Maybe it's mimicking a scene that I've seen earlier. I mean, we, like we, it could literally be that scene where they were going to, like, in Granny's Diner to the enchanted forest to camelot maybe they get emma maybe i don't know but like there has to be they're going to have to explain because they admittedly they don't explain that everyone's going with her i just know that everyone goes with her because spoiler alert i've seen the show 
Um, I just, I didn't realize how they all got there because I was wondering that the whole time. Because they all walk into the water with her. Yeah. They don't, like, all wave at her just with the sad Hulk music from the 70s. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. They're all so, just going with her, and there's no scene explaining it. But there was a scene filmed that explained it. And unlike the dwarves one from last season where they're like, we have to come too. I feel like this was actually where it was needed. We needed uh, this. We needed we, explanation for why Emma was taking her underage son to hell. <laughs> I do I do like that conversation at the bar where they're just like, you're going to hell? I'm going to the underworld. And Charming, okay, that's a sure heck of a, dis- uh, what did he say? He said, this is a heck of a distinction, I believe is the way he phrased it, mm-hmm. which is funny. Um, because again, no one knows. Um, so neither does Emma. I, I will say one of my favorite lines that personally offended me was Emma or was Snow being like, I don't want my last moments of my life for my nose to be buried in a book. If I have a brain aneurysm while I'm reading, I'm fine with it. Like, just like <laughs> I, going the way that I want to with a book in my hand, with my heated blanket on my lap. Let's go. You heard it here. Mary Margaret's anyway. anti-literacy. And what a weird stance for a teacher to have. (laughs) Reading before I die? Never. Never. I want to just stand around and eat greasy food that I never ate before. Um, But Abby, so they're all going to the underworld. Underworld. How did they they get there? How were they able to make that journey? It must require a lot of power. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, so anyway, Beth, while no one was looking... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Rumble had this whole plan that we're not going to really explain very much, but he nope. like poured something on the sword that basically, uh, it was a conduit. Don't worry about what that means. Um, and then basically made him have all the powers of the dark one. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It was no a conduit to another dagger that looks exactly like the original dagger that was attached to Excalibur. How did he get this dagger? Shh, also, how is he able to harness all the power of the dark ones inside his body when it literally was killing hook and killing emma when they was in the sword is rumple just that awesome i guess here's here yeah apparently he's just that awesome but here's the part that i don't like the most is that bell appears after all of this happening she smooches on him being like you have done the most selfless thing ever you thought of me first by lying to me <laughs> my god bell the bar is on the floor you could trip over it and she's like i'm so happy that you thought of me and you wanted to not let me go to hell yay and she's like that's right so then it's implied i gathered implication they slept together Mm-hmm. And he's like getting dressed and Emma texts him, you need to come to the shop. So then he's all snarky walking into the shop being like, but listen, Emma, if it doesn't say open, you don't just get to show up here. And she's like, show me the dagger. He's like, what dagger? She's like, show me the dagger. So he shows it to her. He, he does this fully. No, like he sleeps with her. She's like, I love you so much. Cause you're a hero now. And I believe you are rid of the dark curse and everything. You are just a man, no longer a Muppet. Let's go. And he still sleeps with her and leaves like a, like a chump. I'm trying so hard not to drop a lot of really strong F-bombs because I'm so mad about it. Like, Belle deserves so much better. Like, I'm so mad about it. Like, 
She's just like, I don't need to see the world. I'm happy with you. Girl, stop it. You can see the world together. You do not have to hang up your travel backpack for a man who owns a pawn shop. Let's be serious. Anyway. It's, and it's also just completely undoing anything they tried to do with Rumple over the past half season. Anything they did with him. And in such a hand wave, uncaring way. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we're, we were supposed to be invested in Rumple making a journey to become a hero. Well, Rumple sure as hell wasn't. It's just, I remember when this happened, you and I lost our minds. I, and I'm losing my mind again. And I knew it was coming. I feel like I'm madder than I was the first time because it's just, it's such a disservice to Belle. Mm -hmm. Belle deserves everything. The Belle we met in the first couple of seasons deserves the world. She's a girl that should have seen the world. She should have found somebody who loved her truly that she did not have to work on like a project. And she just, she was not given the tools early enough in life to weed out what's going on. So she's just like, it's like, she's like the living embodiment of the sunk cost fallacy. (laughs) Like, well, I've spent a lot of time here. I should probably just go back to it. It's like, no, girl, go Go have an adventure. Every time we see her go on adventure, she has a blast and learns so much. Why can't she keep going on adventures? She's not meant to be in this small provincial town. It's also a disservice to Rumpel. Like, it's a disservice to Robert Carlyle. It's a disservice to anything resembling character development for this actor and this person he's embodying. Because... Not only has he completely regressed to an early, early, early version of himself, but he, the way that they write it and portray it, he doesn't care. No, he does it willingly and knowingly. Like, I wanted to see more than half a season of of him trying to be a person. And navigate the world without powers. Like, if you're going to throw the dark curse back into him, make it happen unwillingly. Because yeah. this is the moment, this is this is the jump the shark moment, maybe not for the show, but for Rumple pers- like, specifically. Mm-hmm. This is the part where you, you have told me you don't know what to do with him. Yeah. And the only way you can write this character is if he is the dark one. So you tried to undo it, but then you wrote three episodes and went, no, we can't do it. Ru- Robert Carlyle could have 100% done a redemption arc as rumpled the person with no magic, but with the information and knowledge that he has and would find that the knowledge is power situation. That's, that was all I wanted to see when this originally happened. I wanted him to realize that there is a magic and knowledge because that's what Belle has. Belle has a magic and knowledge. She can't do magic, which she kind of can. She can read spell books and just tell people what to throw in a pot, which is a recent development as far as I can tell. But that's Belle's thing. Belle's like, if you read a bunch, you know a bunch. I wanted that for Rumple. Yeah. Come and, on. 
And they could do that and still have him return to being the dark one eventually. And he comes to it from instead of a place of cowardice and fear, a place of curiosity, understanding and knowledge where he's just like, I know what this does for me. I want it back. Or or the, like the thing that you suggested, maybe they had a throwaway line in this episode of if the darkness has nowhere to go, it's going to go into the 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 most recent host or something like that. Or like just all the like darkness has nowhere to, him, to go. Yeah. Or, yeah. Like or it went to him unwillingly. Like he he is with Belle laying in bed and being like, finally, I've ma- I put my life together. I can just be a normal guy, a guy being a dude. And it comes to him and he's upset about it. Not willingly ingesting it plotting and planning for him to ingest it like the the whole thing is him trying to make it i don't want it to come to him willingly i want it to be like you have the Mm -hmm. most potential for darkness so i'm coming back to you and for him to be mad about it and to fight it or maybe he's mad about it for a minute and then he's like oh that feels good i'm cool with that like you don't even have he could just have a whole internal fight in bed with bell and come to an acceptance of it in like Robert Carlyle can do that as an actor. Like give him just 10 seconds to take us on that journey. But make it like make it something outside of his control as opposed to this really weird thing they did and it's only because they don't want to get rid of this big power thing that they have and they don't know what to do with Rumple so they're just giving it back to him. But like Belle has been forked over for the last time. But it's not for the last time because she ends up with him in the afterlife and they have a stupid cottage in heaven. <laughs> it, 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 I feel like it's worse knowing where it, where it ends up. Like, you and I were mad before, but I think we're madder because we know Endgame and it's mm-hmm. bad. But, like, I, I think the other part that makes me mad about it specifically in this episode is that we learn it within five seconds of it happening like i wanted here here's how i envision this goes you can still put emma going to the underworld you can find a different way for her to get there you know why because we just make up rules it's like whose land is anyway points don't matter rules are made up who cares we'll find a way to get her there maybe Belle can help her let's not find out that rumple has absorbed this power for a few episodes. Give me more than 13 seconds. Please. That is what bothers me the most. Like they bait and switch us. They don't even give Hook a little bit of a. Like be like wow look at what he did. It's destroyed. Immediately. Mm-hmm. And means I, nothing. Um, But I would. <laughs> I would like to talk about the paramedics. <laughs> <laughs> because I laughed heartily out loud when they appeared putting him on a stretcher and then solemnly covering him with a sheet uh because where did they come from and like i have i just you've got so many people with magic we couldn't have like lifted him up and taken him to the bus like we couldn't have done make make something a little bit more because they like put him on the thing and then hop 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 and they it's so ridiculous you give us no other extras except for these two paramedics for no reason. It's so absurd. 
And who were they in the enchanted forest? Oh, I'm telling you, I want more of those conversations. Who were you in the enchanted forest? I was just a guy. I don't know anything. Why are they here? I had a set a leg the other day and I threw up and passed out. Like, <laughs> I'm not supposed to be here. Um. So, yeah, so Hook... So Emma's going back to the underworld because she knows that Hook sacrificed himself for nothing. Which, again, I get, but I, I wish... It just all happened too fast at the end. It felt like it was a rush job. So she's going to go, and her whole plan is that she's going to split her heart. Mm-hmm. Which, I, I don't know if this is the... I don't know if this is the... the the Catholic person in me speaking, the Catholic raised child in me speaking, but like they keep talking about it. It's like, it's one soul for another heart is not soul. So like, I am not, that was the part where I was just like, Hmm. And I know it's whatever. I'm singing heart and souls. So it's a, it's a song, but it's, it's a, it's a good you learn on piano when you're seven. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, after you learn chopsticks, you learn heart and soul. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think this should have been the forecasting we needed for, Hey, guess what? The underworld is going to upset you because I'm pretty <laughs> sure either before or after this episode was when blue hair was revealed mm-hmm. and we both went, if I'm remembering correctly, I think both of us were like, oh, no, it's fine. I, maybe it looks better in person. It's not. Mm-mm. This this will be... This next half of the season, I'll just put it this way. If it surprises me in any way, I'm going to be happy. Because I am... This is the season... This is the half of the season I'm dreading the most. Yeah, Like, I looked forward to Dark Swan because I was like, you know what? We're going back to our roots. This is where we started. Let's go back and look at it. I was so actively disappointed by the Underworld storyline that yeah. I am, I am, like, everything else is fine. Like, when we get into the next season, when we start talking about the, the world of different stories and stuff like that, like, there's so much stuff to glom onto and we can talk about and we have a lot of fun with. But this Underworld storyline, guys, it's, buckle up. It's... <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try my hardest. I promise. <laughs> but I'm already so worried <laughs> from just the five seconds of what we've already gotten. Yeah, it's, um, it's gonna be an adventure, and we're gonna go on it together. Together, for, guys. Everyone hold now. hands. Everyone <laughs> hold hands. This was season five, episode eleven, and episode two hundred of Once Upon a Timing. We did it, it was swan song and hook has died but he's coming back guys don't worry he'll be he'll be around it's cool but you know who won't be back a lot of other characters who've just vanished from the face of the earth Goodbye. vanished into thin air and it's not something anyone needs to worry about don't worry they were transported in a deleted scene it's fine yeah this was like this was rushed so bad and it would have been sh- they all they needed to do was just not bring back all the dark ones and just keep it simple, stupid. Like, just give it a nice little kiss and put more of the focus on on Hook's machinations, maybe bring them away into it and keep the focus in 
on Hook's deeds. Okay, so deleted scene, everybody went home, right? So we've not answered what Arthur will do without the sword. Because Excalibur no longer exists. So he doesn't have that. Does the does his weird dust magic ever wear off? I feel like this is the end. This is the this is the Woody's roundup thing where it's like next tune in next week. Will the dust wear off? Will uh will his wife figure out that she's been duped for years upon centuries? Will they find out that he doesn't have Excalibur? Join us next week. What happens next? That was the last episode. <laughs> they canceled it because we went to space. So. All I know is that eventually Arthur is going to be dead and trying to be mayor of the underworld. I Okay, so I remember that. I just don't remember how we get there. I just... We'll go, we'll, we will go on that journey together. Maybe s- all the problems will be solved. I and, don't know. And everything will be copacetic and beautiful. I just have so many more questions. Like, they didn't even appear in this episode. No. Like at all, they were supposed to. I know. well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, they even like as like a, like they're not like even existing kind of quietly around. I think that's the other thing. Like this is this is the part where we start noticing that there's just no extras. Because I remember we constantly made jokes in like the next season where there's just like where did all these kids come from? Like, please tell me. <laughs> but like you don't even see them wandering around town. You would think. That the, the like, tent city that they've started up in the woods, where, like, Robin Hood and them used to live and stuff. You'd think that some of them would have wandered into town knowingly being like, oh, we are part of this town. Like, we live in the tents, but we come into town to shop and buy Snickers bars. Because one of them has discovered what a Reese's is and is addicted to them. <laughs> it's just like, you've got to try this. It's so good. It's shaped like a pumpkin. Happy Halloween. But, like, we don't see anybody ever in town, walking around, in any of the stores. Did Granny close early for this weird all-of-us-are-about-to-die moment? Like, I have so many questions about what's going on. Well, will we get answers to them? Who the heck knows? I guess (laughs) we will find out. There are no answers. No answers, only more questions. Hooray! (laughs) Well, we want to thank you guys for joining us for this latest episode of Once Upon a Timing. We want to thank our patrons for supporting us through 200 episodes, you guys. Ah! Uh, Tim just applauded from over Uh on the couch. Uh, Tim Tim is not a patron, so he can... No. No. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He he is sometimes a a very helpful third guest on the podcast when we do our very special patron episode, so I guess that counts. Yes, and we have one on our Patreon right now uh, for uh, Falling for Christmas. Even though Christmas has since come and gone, it'll always be Tis the Season, you guys. Uh, Anyway, movies in an off season are almost sometimes a little bit better. They are. It, it just brings you the warmth of the season at a time when we need it the most, which is all time. All time. And we want, especially want to thank our Swan Queen level patrons. This week's Patreon shout out goes to Rachel Zucker. Thank you so much. If you want to support us on Patreon, you head to patreon.com slash OUA timing. You can join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash OUA timing. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Technically, I'm at Beth Arena. I'm low. I'm not, again, I'm not tweeting from there. 
I was gonna say you can't find me on Twitter anymore. I'm done. So oh, woohoo! Nope. We're done. We won't talk We're about that tweeting. anymore. Woo, no, goodbye. it's fine. You can keep plugging it because you post episodes and some like you do, uh, I do business things. posts. I have no business. Uh, I do business. So do business, I do business things from there. And you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or you know wherever you get those wonderful podcasts. And uh, stay tuned next week where we'll be talking about Season 5, Episode 12, Souls of the Departed. Blue hair, dark blue hair. A- Abby's making like a big tall I got the hands on hands. the side of the head, guys, making like a crown situation. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm so excited slash scared for what's about to happen to us. <laughs> And I'm so excited that episode 201, us just screaming like raptors into the (laughs) microphones. That's how we do. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you for 200 wonderful episodes. And here's to many more to come. And Abby, we will see you next week. See you next week.